Welcome to Convocation on this typical spring morning in Goshen where the world is always sunny. Um, we're in the final throes of the term with scads of papers and projects due this week and next, so thanks for taking the time to participate in this important uh, convocation. I'm Keith Graver-Miller. I teach in the Bible and Religion Department, and I'm pleased to introduce this morning's speakers who work in an area of the world that many of us follow closely in the news. Cindy and Daryl Byler live in Amman, Jordan, where they are representatives for Mennonite Central Committee on Jordan, as well as Iraq and Iran and Palestine, all places where much world attention has been directed in recent years and where the United States government and military forces have had a profound effect for decades. I first learned to know Daryl when he became director of Mennonite Central Committee's Washington Advocacy Office in 1994 at the tail end of the time that I was completing my dissertation on that lobbying office or advocacy office in the nation's capital. Darrell came to the office after experience as a lawyer and a pastor. He combined those skills from both professions in his leadership at the Washington office, which functions as Mennonite's uh, listening post and also Mennonite's most public face in the Capitol. In the tempestuous flurry of DC and denominational advocacy offices lodged there, Darrell was known over his 13 years of service as a calming presence with an incisive mind an absolute devotion to justice, and a compassionate pastor's heart. Darrell is a graduate of Eastern Mennonite University and the University of Virginia School of Law. Cindy is a graduate of Bluffton University and has been an elementary educator for about 30 years, teaching elementary schools in Meridian, Mississippi, in Washington, D.C., and in Taiwan. The Bylers have three children, Jessica, who's a social worker in Denver, Holden, a web programmer at Eastern Mennonite University, and Jeremy Frosch at Bucknell University. In the Middle East, Mennonite Central Committee's work focuses on release, relief, community development, and peace-building projects, which are implemented through local partners in non-governmental uh, organizations. MCC works primarily at the grassroots level, but occasionally gets involved in bridge-building work at the governmental level as has been the case with several meetings with Iran's president, which have been uh, in the news, uh, the national news, and also certainly in Mennonite publications over the last uh, couple of years. As part of their five-year assignment in the Middle East, they make an annual trip to speak uh, in Canadian and uh, U.S. contexts. They've been back in the States for about two weeks now, first spending a week around Harrisonburg, Virginia, and then also spending a week in Washington, D.C., where they, they itinerated through uh, congressional offices, a uh, place where Mennonite Central Committee's on-the-ground perspective is much appreciated and much respected. Today and tomorrow, they'll be speaking in a variety of settings on our campus, in Oral Com and Global Women's Movement, in History of Ethnic Conflict, and Christians and Politics courses, and then also at a potluck this evening with GC's PAX Club. This morning, we are pleased and grateful to hear their on-the-ground perspective about events in the Middle East. Cindy and Daryl, welcome. We are very pleased to be here uh, with you this morning. Just a few more words uh, about what MCC is doing in the countries we work with, Iran, 
Iraq, Jordan, and Palestine. And then we want to talk about why MCC is there. And we have then brought along pictures of our recent trips to Gaza and Iraq so that you can see uh, with your own eyes uh, the kinds of situations that MCC is involved with. And we want to close then with uh, a short, what can I do, if you're interested in practical ways of responding. As Keith said, MCC's work in the Middle East focuses on relief, community development, and peace building. So our projects range from distributing school kits and relief kits to refugees, to supporting groups who work with children who have disabilities, to doing HIV AIDS education in a part of the world that finds it difficult to acknowledge that this is a problem, to supporting income generation projects with women's groups in Gaza and Jordan, to hosting dialogue between young adults from Canada and the United States, meeting with their counterparts from Iraq and Syria and Egypt and Jordan, to occasionally meeting with leaders of countries like our recent meetings with President, the President of Iran. So these are some of the things that we do why does MCC do these things? MCC's mission statement speaks about the importance of mutual transformation or change. And so we work in these countries as much for what we have to learn as for what we have to share. And we'd like to share this morning with you a few stories about the things that we are learning in our experience. As Daryl said, I anticipated uh, this assignment to go to, into this assignment to serve and to learn, to learn. And I, and I assure you, I've not been disappointed. We recently were granted a permit to enter Gaza. We visited MCC partners, traveled through most of the Strip, had many opportunities to listen and learn of the realities of the Palestinians who live there. Not only is the level of destruction overwhelming, the lack of resources and basic services unconscionable, but the psychological trauma of being trapped with nowhere to go has haunted me. To be there and experience that reality was difficult. But at the end of four days, I could, of course, cross the Gaza border and leave. Palestinians leaving in Gaza can't. Two things impressed me in that experience. First of all, how much encouragement people there received from even token tokens of support, knowing someone cares, and they're not alone. For example, 
Um, our administrative assistant in our Jerusalem office called our partners in Gaza every day or more than once a day. The partners there express so much appreciation for those calls, how much they look to for that connection and to just um, to help them feel that they were not alone. And of course, along with material resources that they received, they also expressed appreciation for the many people they knew here who were praying for them during that difficult war and, and for those who they heard were fasting for them during that uh, difficult time. They expressed much appreciation for that support. The second thing that impressed me was the resilience of spirit that I experienced in the midst of extreme difficulty. We visited one of our partners, Al Naj, in Gaza City. When we entered their office, the director's face lit up, and we were immediately surrounded by a vivacious group of young Palestinian volunteers. The director, Rivka, seemed to draw these young men and women who were unemployed, with no hope of finding jobs, but who willingly volunteered for her organization. They prepared a delicious traditional Palestinian meal for us, apologizing since, that since they had no cooking fuel, that um, it, took it took a long time to prepare. Over that special meal, they shared of their experiences, of their hopes, and their dreams. It was humbling and yet encouraging. And um, once again, um, that experience challenged my often faulty assumptions. Two quick stories of things that I am learning in the Middle East. One is the courage of our partners to love their enemies. We recently traveled to northern Iraq. One of our partners there is named Reach. They are a Kurdish partner. And MCC recently provided Reach with school kits and blankets and relief kits to distribute to families who had been displaced by the war. There are living in northern Iraq a group of 62 Sunni Muslim families who were part of Saddam's Ba'athist party. These families are living in a, a terrible, a squalid refugee camp. It was muddy, it was cold, they live in tents. And our partner Reach thought it would be a good idea to distribute some of MCC's material resources to this camp. But when the idea was raised by the director of Reach with his staff, they said, there is no way we are going to give these 
resources to the Sunni families. These are the families that killed our ancestors, that gassed our ancestors during the Anfal campaign in the 1980s when Saddam put down uh, many of the Kurdish families uh, because he was threatened by them. But this organization, REACH, used this as a learning opportunity to say, no, these families are in fact in need. They're in great need. They need resources. We are a humanitarian organization, and we are going to share these resources with everyone who has need. It was a powerful example to us of learning to love and care for those who could be viewed as our enemies. One other quick story from Israel. MCC is a partner with an organization called Zokrat. This is made up of young Israelis who have decided that the only way to have a secure future together with the Palestinians is if they can tell the truth about what happened over the last 60 years. And so Zokrat goes into the public schools in Israel and tells the truth about the history of Palestinians who were expelled from their homes and their villages back in 1948 and again in 1967. And they also bring Palestinian refugees back into Israel to go to the villages where they once lived and to meet with the current Israeli residents of those villages and to have conversation together about the meaning of that place. Zokrat um, has shown us the courage of speaking truth to power. The young people who work at Zokrat are often demonized in the Israeli press. They are called collaborators with Hamas, traitors to their own people for telling this truthful version of history. So we are reminded uh, of the courage that it often takes to do work related to peace and justice. We now want to share with you some pictures. We'll start with pictures from Gaza. Uh, they will go through at about eight seconds each and we'll just make a few comments along the way. We entered at the Eras Crossing and immediately began to see the, the destruction of the buildings there. All of the buildings within a six kilometer buffer zone around the perimeter of Gaza was destroyed. This is Rifka, this is the uh, partner that I talked about that attracted the young volunteers. Uh, she's in the white covering and the volunteers, some of the volunteers are with her. There I'm trying to say something in Arabic and she's getting a big kick out of it. And this is the meal we shared around the table uh, with the volunteers. Uh, it was a delightful time of, of sharing with them. We have a partner, YMCA, Christian organization, and this gentleman was, uh, was there with the beginning of that organization, and now his son has um, become the director of that organization. They do, do good work at the center. This is a, a traditional sweet kanafe. It's really good. Another partner is um, Alam, and she, is, she heads 
up the Amira Society. She herself is a handicapped child and she has a real heart for families with uh, children of handicaps. In here, the mothers um, are given training uh, for physical therapy that they can do at home with their children. We met many um, of people whose homes were destroyed during the war. And this, of course, is the director, the one in the white head covering. They, they do distributions, and here they're distributing household uh, kits to uh, families whose homes have been destroyed. The families bring in a certificate that their home was indeed destroyed, and then they get a kit, uh, one of these kits. It was a, a lot of really good household art articles. And then they would come and pick up the, art, the kits. Some children who were receiving the kits. And they came in a variety of ways. They came in cars. They came with donkey carts. We saw many, many of those. A common transportation mode in Gaza. And Mennonite Central Committee was given credit there for uh, as being, um, helping with this distribution. Amir Society has centers uh, to provide, they call psychosocial activities for the children to address the, the uh, trauma. And they were performing a, a program for us with song and dance, with skits. And these girls were talking in their song, they were talking about life in Palestine. Life in Gaza is no life at all. These are some of the, the, the homes that were destroyed in the south, the village called Khan Yunus. Another community, these would be homes that were destroyed during the war. Um, and it was with, uh, they, of course, uh, um, you know, with the bombs and also by tanks. And then people rebuilt with whatever they had, could find available. Uh, scraps of tin, plastic. This is a home for three families. As I mentioned before, there's no cooking fuel, so they would, in front of the door there is a, like a tire, and then they have uh, build a fire in there and do their cooking. This is a young man standing on top of what had been his house. They destroyed olive groves, vineyards, fields. This is the Philadelphia corridor, which would be between uh, Gaza and Egypt. Uh, this would be the area where the tunnels are located. Another village outside Kanyunas. Looking through this destroyed uh, home, the green on um, the the green strip um, at the edge there is Israel, so it's very close to the Israel border. This is a hospital where many of the wounded were were taken. This man's home was destroyed in the middle of the night by a drone. He has seven children, so he and his family were able to escape. Typically, there was a small warning strike, 
And, and so they had a couple minutes to get out and then the big bomb would drop to, that, that destroyed the, the home. The beach camp is the largest refugee camp in Gaza City and many homes were destroyed there. I think the face of this, this boy standing in what was his home tells the, tells the story. This was an NGO that was hit. Um, any governmental buildings in Gaza were targets. The Al-Quds Hospital is operated by the Red Crescent, which would be their Red Cross, and um, they received a warning in the middle of the night to get the patients out, and then the hospital was bombed. At the end of the war, one of the last things that happened was the de demolition of the four cement uh, factories in Gaza, so now there's no um, way to rebuild. I believe four brothers owned these cement factories, and they talked about the difficulty it was to get the permits to build these factories. It took years to get the permits and to get the factories going, and now they're all gone. So it'd be one of the owners. This is an example of the way um, water was provided uh, for a refugee camp. We talked with this woman who was displaced in a refugee in 1948, and within this last war, her husband was killed. She had a lot to tell us. The little balloon in the top left-hand corner is a surveillance, so it's right at the, at the border. Um, yeah, another example of a resident. When we entered the home of this, uh, pal um, this little boy, immediately wet his pants, he was so afraid. And his mother explained to him that um, it, we were the Mennonites and we were not bringing rockets. There was no need to be afraid. As an educator, um, it was very compelling to me to see the, that the schools were bombed and to hear about um, as a result, what, what they were having to do to accommodate the students. And they, had to, they were double shifting and uh, doing the best to accommodate you know, the ones that had been destroyed. This was a damaged home, another of the damaged homes. Uh, tent City. Also, uh, we visited the site of the um, American International School in Gaza that was bombed. It was built by four million U.S. dollars and destroyed by a plane supplied by the U.S. Um, it was very, it was in, it, in, it had been a very elite school and a very highly respected school. It's totally destroyed. Okay. I met a little friend. She um, was, was attending a kindergarten that uh, one of our partners started two weeks after the war to help get the kids back into a routine again. This would be a classroom. They apologized that they had so few limited resources and they were going to try to you know, continue to build that up, but they knew the, the importance of getting the kids back into a routine, back into school. 
They also hoped to build a, a medical center there. These would be her cousin, her brothers, sisters, and cousins. One of our partners, uh, Culture and Free Thought Association, did a food distribution. These were food items, and also along with that, they distributed carpets. Majda is a staff member for CFTA, um, and she was, she was very articulate um, in describing that what it was like during the, during the war. She also oversees the centers that they have uh, for activities to uh, help the children address the trauma that they've experienced. They do, a lot, they do have drawing cl classes or opportunities. They do drama, music, sports. They um, host summer camps for the children. These children were getting uh, skills in housekeeping, housekeeping skills. I interviewed a young lady who um, is a recipient of our Global Family Pro uh, Project, MCC's Global Family. These are some of the drawings the children um, did, and the, the art is, it's all similar. Uh, Planes, helicopters, dropping bombs. I thought this one was particularly compelling with the tiny little people in the homes and the big planes and the bombs and the rockets. And also the white phosphorus was in every, all the pictures. <clears throat> the centers also have programs for the mothers of the children. And they have all kinds of activities. This is one of the mother's art, and, uh, and it's the same, it has this, all the same components. Now, this center, uh, operated by CFTA, was actually closed down by Hamas uh, six months, for six months. And the community organized and went to Hamas, and eventually they relented, so the, the center had been reopened for two weeks. Um, and they, they were in the process of uh, uh, getting the kids back into activities at that center. This is the director of that center. She was also, uh, she's an alumni of the Summer Peace Building Institute at, at EMU in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We have just a few pictures of Iraq yet, uh, so if we can switch to those. <clears throat> we were in Iraq uh, at the beginning of March. We traveled there with uh, persons who had helped to collect the school kits and the relief kits that MCC shipped. The person on the left is Matt Hofer from Switzerland and he was showing pictures of skiing in the Alps to our two Iraqi drivers. When we drove and crossed the mountain to Sulaymaniyah, we were given flowers. Uh, Dana Hassan is the man on the left. He is the one who convinced his NGO that they should distribute resources to the enemy. These are MCC relief kits. They contain uh, towels and shampoo and soap. 
some basic household items. John Filson is our MCC program manager in Iraq. He is a graduate of the Kroc Institute's Peace Studies program. This is uh, on the right is one of the, the Sunni uh, Baathists from Baghdad. He lost his two brothers and two sons in the war. This is a, a Christian family that was displaced from Mosul. In the Bible, Mosul was known as Nineveh. They're now living in northeastern Iraq. This is a Yazidi family that we visited. Uh, they received MCC blankets. One Iraqi family said, when you get an MCC blanket, it's like opening a pitcher. This is the, this is the uh, internally displaced camp that we talked about. This woman was telling Cindy about her son being beheaded in Baghdad. This little girl, Noor, was born in this IDP camp. Her father was once a famous soccer player in Baghdad. And this is the conditions of the camp. It felt like an utterly hopeless place. And yet for these Sunni families, they felt it was the safest place for them to be in Iraq. The scenery in northern Iraq and Kurdistan is beautiful. The, the spring wheat and rye was growing. This is in Erbil, or no, I'm sorry, this is in Solomonia, which is near the Iranian border. Uh, in this picture, Ivana Hess from MCC is meeting with the mayor who uh, oversees 120 villages and part of her job as mayor is not only to do executive functions, but she served as the judge. These are the kind of villages that Saddam emptied out during the Anfal campaign. 4,500 of these villages, uh, the Kurds were, were forced out, 200,000 of them were killed. This is, that was the schoolroom, or the schoolhouse, and this is the principal and the teacher. There were eight students in this school, 12 families in this village. Uh, Spider-Man has made it to Iraq. Matt Hofer is a school teacher in Switzerland, and he took along artwork that he had done when he was with MCC in Botswana, and he handed it out to people along the way. This is a bomb casing uh, that Saddam used against the Kurds. School was out, six children headed one direction and two headed the other, and the school was empty. A typical Kurdish home and Kurdish dress. This family received several relief kits. They uh, were especially happy about the shampoo because they had lots of daughters in their family. Bia Sprunger on the left is uh, the head of the Swiss Mennonite youth group, and she uh, was having a laugh with the Kurdish family. These are school children, first graders in Kurdistan. Uh, you can see the school kits on their desk. There was hardly anything on the walls in these schools, very, 
very minimal supplies for students. Just one more picture from the, from the mountains. We were on the way back now to, to Erbil. <clears throat> this is the Chaldean Catholic Seminary in Erbil. It used to be located in Baghdad, but much of the Christian community along with their institutions were moved to the north of Iraq as a result of the war. MCC has helped to supply the library at this seminary, including a number of uh, volumes on peace building that were written by Mennonite authors. This is Namam. Uh, she is the head of Reach's Erbil office. If you see the MCC calendar, she is on the calendar this month. Uh, she is veiled in that picture. She was recently married and has decided not to be uh, covered anymore. This is a kindergarten in Erbil that is run by the Sisters of the Sacred Heart. They increased their enrollment from 100 to 300 students this year, and so they have their children meeting in tents to to meet the uh, overflow. And in each place we went, we left small wall hangings for the partners we're working with. So those are just a couple of glimpses. Uh, just to wrap up, we have some handouts on the piano and I think at this exit that talk about ways that you can respond. For those of you who are looking uh, or getting ready to graduate and would consider serving overseas, we have listed the openings that are available in Jordan, Palestine, Iraq, and Iran. So uh, we'd be happy to see some of you living in our part of the world. We also listed a number of education resources for you to uh, be able to stay informed. So we have websites from the countries that we work in. We listed a number of blog sites if you want to get uh, information from MCCers who are working in the region. We have links to MCC's advocacy offices in Washington, at the UN, and in Ottawa. If you're interested in knowing uh, how you can write ledger, uh, letters to your members of Congress, and also have listed several primers if you are interested in more detailed information about some of the countries where we're working. So please feel free to take those and use them. We'll stay around to respond to questions if you have them. Thank you very much for your attention.